Matt and Robin would have heard because I shared it a little while ago in Gordon's Bay. So <laughs> you're about to hear round two. Uh, I don't think most of the people who came with us that day aren't here because of the long weekend. So you guys are on your own. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, Karen and Laura and Craig. Okay, jeez, I'm failing terribly here. Okay. <laughs> But it's a word that I shared this morning in Edgemead as well. And uh, I don't often reshare words that I've had, but I felt God wanting me to share this this morning in Edgemead. And it was an incredible time with that church, uh, just sharing what I felt God had said to me and to, to share with the church. So I want to share it with you tonight. And I wish everyone was here, but they're not, so they can listen to the recording. Um, so just a bit of a story, when I was younger, uh, I was part of a Pentecostal church in Seapoint, which is on that side on Atlantic Seaboard, and uh, it was an awesome church as a young guy, very charismatic, lots happening. Uh, the lead pastor used to wear cowboy boots every week, and he had this really epic mustache, which <laughs> was quite a vibe, and with every good church plant, his wife was leading worship, and uh, she did her best, and uh, she led us through worship. But as a young boy, there was a song that we used to sing, and of all the songs we sang, this was the song that always stuck with me, right? And uh, I've always, when I preached this morning, I got the congregation to sing with me. Um, I'm not going to do it tonight, because there's not many of us. <laughs> okay. But uh, actually, this morning, I asked the congregation, over 100 people, to sing this song. And we all sang it a cappella, and it was beautiful. Like, I just feel God was there, and it was incredible. I put the mic down, and I just sang along with them. But it's that song, it's called, As a Deer Pants for the Water. Who knows it? Okay, so we got a few. Okay, all right. And it goes like this. It goes, as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You are all my heart. I can't actually even talk it. I should just sing it. Sorry. I'm trying to talk it. It doesn't make sense. It says, As a deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. You alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship you. You alone are my strength, my shield. To you alone may my spirit yield. You It's an awesome song, right? And you guys sang it way better than I did this morning, so be encouraged. <laughs> okay, but it's a song that's based on a psalm, Psalm 42, and I want to read it because it's what David is saying, and it's an incredible song because he says this, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul longs after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. 
And he says, when shall I come and appear in God's presence? My tears have been my food both day and night. Well, men ask me all day long, where is your God? These things come to mind as I pour out my soul. How I walked with the multitudes, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why the unease within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him for the salvation of his presence. That's an incredible psalm. And we could talk about the context of the psalm. When David is not allowed, he can't enter into the temple to praise God the way he would want to. And you can, you can hear that in the anguish. He, he's not able to praise God and be in God's presence in that sense. But it's the first three lines that get me about that psalm. And I want to speak a little bit about those tonight. It says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul Longs after you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. What did that sound? Oh, it's the, it's the kettle, okay. <laughs> See, this image, it creates such a vivid image of what David is talking about. He's talking about this deer who is maybe running from a hunter, who has maybe entered into a dry land, or is just is desperate to find water. It's desperate to drink of water, and it's panting after something, and it's almost as if it life depends on it. There's a desperation to this passage. This isn't a deer who's casually walking through the forest and decides to have a drink of water. No, there's something in this deer that needs water to sustain life. Find water or faint. And it's just as, as David does it, he, and he talks about he talks about his own desperate state, his longing after God. He is desperate to be in God's presence, to worship Him, to sing, to rejoice. But in some sense, he can't. You see, in some sense, his thirst is not quenched. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. And these words challenge us, or these words challenged me, because I had to ask myself, when was the last time that my soul thirsted for God? When was the last time that I was so desperate for God's presence and to be in His presence, so thirsty for God that if I don't drink from Him now, I can't carry on. That is a good question to ask. You see, the body can last without water for three days. But I think sometimes we can go for weeks without even being thirsty for God. We can become spiritually dehydrated. And I, as a person, you can ask my wife, 
hiker, he's there in the mustard jersey. You can all look at her. <laughs> it was her birthday yesterday. Oh, happy birthday. <laughs> oh, I wanted to announce it. I'm so sorry. I'm useless at announcements. I really am. But <laughs> back to the story. I can be prone to get dehydrated. I don't know why. It's just something about me. I do drink water, and Heike always tells me to drink water, and I do try. But once a month, without fail, I'm going to start getting a headache, or I'm going to wake up with a headache, or I'm going to start getting nauseous. And then I need to go to the drawer or go to the shop and literally buy a little packet of what is called rehydrate. You guys know it? Chuck it with some water. I'm good to go. Okay. That's just me. I don't know why I'm like that. But if I don't, I can become limp and lethargic. I can get a headache. And I think sometimes that's what can happen to us. We can get so dehydrated. We've, we've stopped thirsting after God. We've stopped longing after God that we just get a little bit lethargic. And we forget that we have access to streams of living water. I mean... Christians forgetting that they have access to streams of living water. And the tragedy, I think, is this, is that we, in some sense, can utterly forsake God. If we are not quenching our thirst for God, often we run the risk of quenching the Spirit. And I, I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but I have, where you are walking with God, where you feel like you're in His presence. And maybe something you've done has grieved Him. And I felt this recently. I felt like a heart attitude that I had had grieved God. And I wasn't in His presence. <laughs> and that is the worst place to be. Ask Haka, I didn't sleep. I was just praying. I was like, Jesus. Like Moses, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't even want to bother going. I'm like, Jesus, please, I need to find you. Please. And I think sometimes we can do that. But we don't quench our thirst in him. Jeremiah 2.13 says this, For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. When we stop thirsting or we forsake the fountain of living water, something dies and we start relying on systems and broken cisterns. Okay? Systems and cisterns. <laughs> two, two words that sound very similar. And I've seen it in my own life. I can stop relying on God and the Holy Spirit, and I can start relying on my own systems. Maybe I'm the only one. <laughs> when we are not desperate always for God, we're not relying on Him, I think we can forget that it's only Him who can satisfy us. Really, think about it. It's only God who can satisfy us. Nothing in, nothing in this world will ever satisfy you like God will. Trust me. When we start building things that look like church, that sound like church, and we start thinking 
that these systems must be church. And I, I've seen it in, in so many denominations where they've started off with a move of the Spirit, where God has moved powerfully through men to form and start denominations, and they've slowly moved away from that and replaced living water with social action, church faiths, and committees. Now, that's not me. I'm not getting down on any other church. Please, don't hear what I'm saying. I haven't, I'm not naming any churches. The danger is that we can do that. That we can replace living water with dead buildings. Now, this is a nice hall, but that's all it's ever going to be. This hall is not going to be anything other than a hall. And we meet in this hall, and it's wonderful, but it's just the building. And when the church meets here, there's something about when the church meets, that this place is transformed into a place where God is and His presence is. Apart from that, this is just bricks and water. Church, can we always be thirsty for the things of God and for more of God? And can we please not settle for man-made systems that look and feel like church but lack any power and any presence of God? I, really, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. There's a story of the Samaritan woman in John 14. You probably all know it really well. And I'm going to read it to us. But it's an interesting story. So it starts this. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food. You are a Jew, said the woman. How can you ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? Because Jews didn't associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who is asking you for a drink, you would, have answered, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman replied, you have nothing to draw with from the, and the well is deep. Where then will you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a fount of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty and have to keep coming to this well to draw water. And I love this woman's response, right? It's so telling in so many ways because Jesus offers her living water and something inside of her responds immediately to what he's saying. She says, sir, give me this water. And she's not talking about the, the physical water from the world. She's talking about the living water that Jesus is offering her. And she's so desperate for this water because this woman in herself is an outcast in her own culture. She's not accepted. She's drawing from the well in the middle of the day when no one else is there. She's had multiple husbands. She's living with a man who's not her husband. And Jesus says this to her. In fact, she later goes to her, her town and says, come and meet the man who told me 
everything about myself. This is a broken woman who is physically, she thinks she's thirsty, but actually there's something inside of her that is really thirsting, and that is her soul. And when she's confronted by Jesus, a man who shouldn't even be talking to her, but takes the time to to spend time with her and to counsel her, something inside of me goes, I need what this man has got. And as Christians, that's what should be happening, I'm afraid to say, that when we meet people, they should be going, I need what this person has, because they've got living water. And the world doesn't. Her response, give me this water. She's thirsty. And my point is this, that you can go out into the streets of Musenberg and Fishhook and Clovelly and Lakeside and Capricorn and Freyhorns. And there are people there who are dry like a desert and in desperate need of relief. They wander aimlessly filling their lives with activity in order to find some kind of relief, in order to quench this thirst inside of them that they have, that they can't quench outside of Christ. Just as Jesus offered the woman at the well living water, so should we as believers be offering this living water to those around us. Because if we read in John 7, 38, it says this, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Now, who's a believer here? Wonderful. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I like, <laughs> I mean, if you believe it, put your hand up, man. Let's, ro- I mean, come on. This is, yeah, awesome. Right. Okay. Let's have some conviction. <laughs> Things myself. <laughs> so if you're a believer, whoever believes in me, everyone who just raised their hand, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will, not might, not maybe, will flow from within him. Will flow from within you. That is fantastic news. (laughs) We have streams of living water flowing from us. And as we meet and as we cry out to him, as you drink from him, streams will flow from you and hopefully from this church and this building into the surrounding communities. That what looks like a hall from the outside will become a fountain of living water to the culture around you. And that culture is filled with thirsty, desperate, lost, confused, spiritually dehydrated people. And those people are drawn to living water. Show me a thirsty person who's not drawn to water. Oh, that they would come and drink here from Christ, the source of that living water. When this church meets, are 
We're desperate for God, like David was. Does our soul cry out in thirst after him? Are we desperate to meet with him? David says, my soul thirsts for God, the living God. Is that the cry of our heart that we would be fulfilled by him? When you go to the prayer meeting, is the cry of your heart that you would meet with him? When you come to church, are you so desperate to meet with him and worship and through the word? I went to Edgemead this morning and it was, it was great. Like they had a prayer meeting and we had a prayer meeting before the meeting. This is a congregation of almost 200 people. There were people missing this morning because of long weekend. Great. Maybe 120, 130 in a hall. How many people do you think were at the prayer meeting? Anyway, throw me a number out of 130. 10. Sure, Carl's on the money, yeah? 10 people. And it, I promise you, ask him. I left that prayer meeting. I was like, I can go home now. Because Jesus was in that prayer meeting. And the 10 people that were there were so desperate to meet with Jesus. I was like, I can go home now because I've met with Jesus with these 10 people. And my encouragement slash rebuke to the church was, why are there only 10 people in that meeting desperate to find Jesus and desperate to intercede for this meeting so that in this meeting, Jesus' presence will be there and we can all find him and spend time with him and it's awesome. Why aren't there 50 people in that meeting? Why aren't there 25, 30 people in our prayer meetings? Are we desperate to be in front of him before the meeting going, Jesus, if you're not here, what is the point? If we are desperate for him, he will come. And just as I was preparing for this meeting, I had a scripture. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if this was something I was supposed to preach. I was feeling it from God. I was like, okay, God, is this something you want me to preach? And I asked him for a sign. <laughs> I did a bit of a Gideon. I threw the fleece out. I was like, okay, God, if this is the preach you want me to preach, I'm gonna, you need to show me. And I picked up my devotional. Uh, I read Charles Spurgeon's devotional every day, morning and evening. Does everyone know Charles Spurgeon? Okay, Prince of Preachers, amazing man. And this was for me. I don't recommend that you do this for your life, okay? I don't recommend that you pick up a... I said to God, I'm going to pick up this devotional, I'm going to open it on a page, and I'm praying that you speak to me. And I don't recommend that you do that daily and go, okay, God, potluck, is, are you speaking to me today? Rather work systematically through a book of the Bible, okay? Free tip. But I opened this book, and I was like, God, I need you to speak to me. And I do believe that God does sometimes work supernaturally in those ways. And he does speak to us, and he, he condescends to our level. He's like, okay, Dylan, if you need confirmation, I'll give it to you. And the scripture that I opened up the book to was this, Isaiah 44.3, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and the floods upon the dry ground. Right, that's his invitation to us this afternoon, is that I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. The question he's asking us is, are we thirsty for the things of God? My prayer is that we don't settle for a good meeting if his promise is that he will pour out his water on the thirsty. My hope and my prayer that as a church is we would come 
to him daily to drink from him, but we had come to church desperate even more to drink even more from him and receive more from him and his presence. That just with this meeting wouldn't become a broken system where it's just what we do every Sunday because that's what we do. <laughs> because we could run meetings every Sunday until Jesus comes back. Because there's a way of doing it, right? Announcements, worship, preach, ministry. But I think there's more for us than just that. A last story. A few months ago, we were praying outside, uh, pre-meeting pre church, uh, prayer meeting, and the meeting had finished, and uh, as it finished, I was like, I'd been to church that morning in Greenpoint, and I was just like, like that, was, that was okay. That was okay. That was a prayer meeting. We asked God to be with us. We, I think we honored him. We were faithful. But something was, not, something was missing, and I, just, I said to the guys, I don't think that we're finished yet. I think there's more that God wants to do in this prayer meeting. Can we keep praying that God would do more? Can we seek him more? And Keith and Jean, who's not here tonight, Keith is a wonderful man of God. Keith started singing that song by Michael W. Smith, I'm Desperate for You. I'm not a Michael W. Smith fan. I'm sure he's a great guy. <laughs> he's not on high rotation. Do you love him, Debbie? Okay, Debbie loves him. I better treat it very lightly. Um, he's not on any of my playlists. Um, <laughs> On Spotify, but, but be that as it may, Keith sang the song, I'm Desperate for You. And I was like, yes, there's something in that song. Where are we desperate for him? Are we desperate for more of him? And we came into the meeting and worship started. And I think Michael, I think it was Michael Jabeir who was doing worship. It was, yeah. Michael was doing worship and then we, it was going well for a while. And we were worshiping and Michael's an awesome worship leader. And he went to that song. And he's just, I promise you, it was the craziest thing. He's like, and, uh, and literally, like, Chantel just started screaming and getting delivered from a demon. I was like, yes, that is, that is desperation. Because we're desperate for his presence to be here. I'm sorry, okay, okay. <laughs> I don't want to freak you out, but that's what happened. All right, someone was set free in worship without anyone touching or laying a hand on her. Because we were desperate for more of God. And God goes, if you're desperate, I'm going to come. And I'm going to do stuff that you don't understand, and that's fine. He's God. Okay. I think there's more of that for us as a congregation. I really do. I'm not talking about weird and wacky. I'm just like, God, bring your presence, and you do stuff. Okay. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not chasing after stuff. I'm not chasing after things that I don't want to create stuff. I want God to do it. Because we can easily create hype. Okay. I don't want to create, I'm not interested in that. I want the real thing. I want God. Revelation 22:17 says this. Whoever will, let him take the water of life freely. There's an open invitation for all of us. We can all drink of him. We can take the water of life. Freely. My prayer 
would be that all of us would do that. If you are sitting here tonight and you, you feel far from God, you feel like you are dehydrated, you're not drinking from Him, like you're not walking in His presence, you're not daily waking up going, God, what do you want to do today? There's more for you. Don't settle for a normal, what did Watchman Nee write? The normal Christian life, which was so not the normal Christian life. My question is, church, are you thirsty for more of God? And does your soul long after God daily? Because he is an incredible God, and he will meet us where we're at. And I pray, my prayer is that he meets us as a church, and that we'd walk with him closely. And as we show him our desperation for more of him, he would do stuff like he did a few months ago in that meeting. I think on one hand, Chantel was being delivered and the rest of us were just so excited and amped and there's hours and there was tears streaming down my face and just, it was just incredible. When the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is in the building, it's, I mean, you're just, you're in awe of who he is and what he's done. And that might not be every week in church, but I pray, please, Jesus, make it more often than not.